Welcome to episode 24 of the TM3 Impact Podcast. My guest that was interviewed on the show today is Mark Maginot. Mark is a president of Assemblies Technician Inc. and a serial entrepreneur. On today's episode, Mark is going to talk to you about getting more out of your weekends. Imagine if you had more time on the weekends. One of Mark's companies actually sells a robotic lawnmower. Imagine that. Imagine a lawnmower that just goes out and mows your lawn and you get to go and do whatever you want to do. You don't even have to worry about it. On today's episode, Mark is going to be telling us more about this amazing product and he's also going to be talking about life as an entrepreneur. So be sure if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you go back and watch a YouTube video. You don't want to miss today's guest. And without further ado, let's learn more from Mark Maginot. Welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. Tomas Martinez here. Super excited. We have an amazing guest, Mark Magino, who is the president of Assembly Technicians, Inc. And we're going to dive right into that. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, Luxury Home Magazine, the luxury resource when it comes to real estate and Spanish Grove Academy, the number one pre-K, Spanish immersion pre-K in SA. So let's begin. Mark Magino, I'm super glad that you were here on TM3 Impact. Good morning, Tomas. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm very excited to be here. I, I'm excited you're here. Like when, when you called me, I thought, you need to be on the show. I know we were going to talk about the magazine, but I was like, this guy needs to be on the show. So I'm super pumped you're here. So let's start with this. <clears throat> I want to know your San Antonio story, Cliff Note version. How did you come to be a part of this amazing city? I would say I married in. My wife was born and raised here. Uh, we met when we were in college and eventually uh, found our way back down. So we lived out east for about 20 years in Rhode Island, uh, which was longer than both of us, I think, expected being out there, but uh, made our way back down and have been enjoying family, uh, mild winters, yes. no more shoveling snow. So. It uh, is literally how I ended up here. Uh, had been here once or twice before when I was a child, had some family in the area, but uh, really planted roots about uh, seven years ago now. Okay, so wife uh, grew up high school here? Yes, she went to South San, actually. Oh, is that right? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. fantastic. Well, we got to thank her that, for bringing you here. That's that's perfect. Yes, absolutely. It was, yeah. It's been a great move, and we love it here. It's really nice being close to family and uh, the culture here, and everybody is very friendly, and we enjoy the time. It's a great city. Absolutely. Now, going back, uh, I, I, you've, you've got some history at, uh, with the school that you went to. I want to go back to, you know, Mark figuring things out, going to college. You end up going to Johnson and Wales University. And did you go to the Denver campus? Is that where you went? I went to the Providence, Rhode Island campus. The Rhode Island, okay. Yes, absolutely. They do have a Denver campus as well as several campuses around the world now. I saw they had one in Miami and Denver and then uh, Rhode Island. Now... They specialize in experimental learning. I want go back, talk about that. I'm curious. Sure, absolutely. So when I was in high school, I was involved in a program, Junior Achievement, which is a business development program. Uh, goes kind of through junior high and high school. Okay. Kind of set up businesses with other students. They have uh, kind of after school uh, programs. And through Junior Achievement, uh, did some competitions, kind of got to the national level with that. And that got exposure to Johnson & Wales, which did a lot of work with Junior Achievement. Uh, they did a lot of work with uh, FBLA, the Future Business Leaders of America at the time. Okay. So they're very focused, at least in their business program, of kind of cultivating in what I did with my major and minor degree in entrepreneurship and business startup and randomly got a letter from them. I had never heard of the school before right. that. And they offered a, a four-year uh, Gaby Entrepreneurial Scholarship based on all the activities I had in high school. So for me and my parents at the time, it was pretty much a no-brainer that if somebody was going to pay for school, that sounded like a great opportunity. You're like, we're in. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> Where's so, the school? We don't care. <laughs> absolutely. So I had grown up in Kansas. I had never been to Rhode Island. Um, Whoa. Had never visited the school. 
um, packed up two suitcases, got on an airplane and told my parents if I didn't like it, I'd be back. Yeah. Um, so they didn't uh, even take you. They just put you on the plane and said, good luck. No visit to the school, no drop off. Um, <laughs> I think I probably wanted to go on my own anyway. So it wasn't a lack of parenting. I think yeah. they would have gone if I let them. But uh, went to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, met some of the people from the school, yeah. had some great roommates and uh, the rest is history as far as school went. So yeah. finished up there and uh, opened a business right after uh, first year being out of college, yes. which is kind of what uh, ended up our longer stay out east and uh, eventually transitioned was, back here. Was that, that wasn't the Simply Student Storage, was that? Was that part of that? You know, that was a business I opened up my freshman year in college. Uh, I needed some storage in the summertime, yeah. just temporary for a couple of months. So I threw some boxes in storage and I had some roommates who were like, well, we need space too. Yeah. So I literally split the costs. By sophomore year, I had rented out, I think, 10 different storage units <laughs> and was running the business for a lot of the students at Johnson & Wales come from other places. Um, a lot of them, come from places where they don't have winter. So you have all of these things that you accumulate for being back east mm -hmm. and they didn't want to take it home. So that was the business. I did curbside pickup and drop off. I'd rent a no truck way. and uh, charge you by the box. We could do a room or do a box and that was the business all through college. Oh my, so that, did that pay you all throughout college? Was that like your main money maker? That was always the vacation money. Yeah. That was always the vacation money and that kind of started our, I think, uh, love of travel. Okay. So thankfully, uh, I still had a couple of jobs through college. I always liked to work. Yeah. Um, so always had kind of the mainstays. Yeah. And uh, the storage business was kind of a, a side seasonal business, but always kind of gave the extra pocket money for travel. That's a great That's a great side hustle. That would be the yes. Gary V side hustle right there. <laughs> storage, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, I, okay. I got to go back because I, I think it's interesting. You you say that you get, you get a, a scholarship to the school because of uh, some of the entrepreneurial things that you were doing in high school, some of the things, the national competitions you got to, where did this entrepreneurial like DNA come from? Is this mom and dad? Is this, you were seeing family? Like where did that side of the, you know, where did that come from for you? I think probably the one memory I have for kind of that, I don't know what they call it, the aha moment, but yeah. it was junior high. Uh, the band, which I was not part of band, um, had done their usual fundraiser, you know, selling candy bars, and it had not gone well. So they had a lot of candy bars left over. So I knew enough of the people in the band group that I'm like, all right, I'll pay you 25 cents on the dollar for all these candy bars. I'll buy all of them. And then turned around and sold them at 50 cents on the dollar after their fundraiser was over. Are you serious? So that was my first moment of, okay, we can make sense of this. Yeah. And so really that idea of looking for opportunities, um, thinking about things and again, trying to, you know, leverage that, uh, I think started probably in junior high. I don't have any earlier memories of uh, trying to hustle anything, but right. uh, that was probably the first one. That's really and, interesting. Uh, after that, I just enjoyed it a lot. And I think with junior achievement and some of the other programs, I enjoyed being out of school quite a bit. Yeah. So anything that was a good reason to go to a competition, a tournament, anything along those lines, I was always looking for that extracurricular activity. And um, Smart man. Smart. That was kind of my yeah. my high school journey. So I think the combination of those things, it kind of was a good marriage there. And I would imagine you grew, you grew up in Kansas. Is that right? How, yes. Uh, all throughout your uh, your young adult life, you were in Kansas. Yes, absolutely. Uh, living just north of Topeka, Kansas. Uh, okay. My dad was a fire chief growing up. So we actually lived in a fire department. Our house was attached. Um, if you went down the stairs to the basement, went through another door, my dad's office was there. And one more door, there were the fire trucks. So wow. It was a, an interesting childhood. That had a lot to be of fun, very interesting. But uh, yes, very, very good time. Okay. So now you, you start your side business and then you go into the uh, the uh, the GMM Pizza Inc. Was that the main business that you were doing in Rhode Island that you came out of col uh, college with? Yes. Uh, the year after college, uh, opened our first restaurant and got married that same year. So oh, snap. it was a busy year. Okay, uh, so look, we gotta back up. So how did you meet your wife? Was that in college? Yes. Uh, you met so in, at, at Johnson & Wales? Met at Johnson & Wales freshman year. Uh, she out. lived in the same uh, dorm, you know, resident hall. Yeah. And that's how we met. So we dated all through college. Okay. And, uh, got married the year after, Okay. Uh, which was 97, and uh, opened a business that year and 
we're in the restaurant business for quite a few years. So wow. we had our first location on the east side of Providence by Brown University, if you're familiar with that uh, school in that area. Mm -hmm. And then we moved that location uh, to Federal Hill, which if you've ever been to Providence, I would recommend stopping at Federal Hill. It's okay. their Little Italy. Um, I think nationally, one of the stronger Little Italy's that's still intact. But we had our Italian restaurant there. We were in Di Pasquale Plaza, uh, had about 100 seats outside. So during the season, we would uh, triple our capacity. And there was a fountain there with a few other restaurants. We'd have music on the weekends, mm. uh, but just a really fun time uh, for years. That full we had Italian that. restaurant. That's what y'all focused on. Full Italian restaurants. Uh, okay. For a couple of years, uh, one of the things we specialized in was a very thin crust uh, wood grilled pizza. So it's very thin, very crispy. It's actually cooked on a grill. Uh, we started actually producing the pizza shells themselves, already grilled, frozen. We're distributing those around the Northeast wholesale for wow. a few years. So that was partially under the umbrella of GMM Pizza Inc. We did uh, frozen okay. pizza shells for a while. Interesting. Was interesting business. Was it, did that take off? Was that able to take off? Yes, that was a great business for several years. Okay. Um, we definitely enjoyed going around and we would do demonstrations and... Uh, cook for people. Yeah. So can't go wrong with food. No, never, never. So I'm imagining you're a young, uh, 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 you know, and this is, this is why I love doing podcasts with people, right. And hearing their story. So I'm imagining you, you, you get married, you uh, get out of college and you open a restaurant just right away. Did you, did she, your wife have any experience of that? Did you have any experience with the restaurant? So I had limited experience from several years of working in a restaurant when I was in college. Okay. Um, knew I wanted to go into business. Um, my wife did not actually actively work in the restaurant. Uh, she kind of chased her own dreams through, uh, you know, work that she was doing. Okay. Um, I think, uh, Opening a restaurant the first year you get married. She was a very patient wife. and uh, She deserves a medal. <laughs> several. What's her several. name? Jennifer. What, Jennifer, you need a medal, okay? We, we need to get you a medal. Absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah. it was uh, an intense first couple of years. Um, I imagine. There's a lot of work to be put in uh, in the restaurant business. Now, did you start it from scratch or buy one? Because there's a difference. So a little of both. Our first location that we purchased uh, was an Indian restaurant prior. So it needed everything to be done to it. Um, it had been a restaurant prior to that. So I could say that at least the plumbing was there. Right. But we redid everything on the inside and, uh, you know, required some new equipment, those kind of things uh, to switch it from being an Indian restaurant to being an Italian restaurant. Okay. So it's uh, quite a bit of work on the front end there. But, um, you know. It was exciting at the time. Hey, absolutely. I'm you know. sure you're like, this is going to be the best re restaurant ever. Like you go into it with this entrepreneurial mindset absolutely. that you've had since middle school, you know, flipping the, the candy bars, right? Absolutely. And you come to this and go, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to make money doing Italian food. Like this is what we're going to do. Um, wow. Interesting. Now, you obviously you're not a chef. You're not a trained chef. So you're seeing this more from dollars and cents, hiring the right people. Like looking back on that, you did that for 14 years. How many different restaurants did you have at that time, during that time? We just did the two restaurants two. Okay. and the wholesale business. Okay. Um, and when we first started, um, we were it. You know, my business partner and I would rotate who was waiting tables, who was cooking. So it was a back and forth. And then we were able to, you know, add a little staff. By the second restaurant, we had full team available, you know, people cooking, People yeah. waiting tables, bartenders, that kind of thing. So uh, it was a very small footprint when we first started. Yeah. And uh, you do a little and bit And you just kind of a little bit, do it, do it. Do it. And I, okay. So here's the thing that I think would be really cool because, again, with TM3 Impact, I, I, I think there is a – people think of entrepreneurship and it kind of – there's almost like this, um, you know, this fascination with it. There's this, there's this like – you know, you're traveling, you know, you're, you're, you, you have all the nice new things because you're an entrepreneur. You think back on those days and you remembering how hard you worked, right. To have those two restaurants and everything that you were putting in, what would be some advice that you would tell somebody that's getting ready to get out of college, that's had the dream of owning a restaurant or that's having the dream of opening a business? If there was one or two things that you would say, hey, listen, like if I could tell you anything, please hear this. I think the one thing <clears throat> that I would say for that is definitely bull through it. Don't worry about what the the side feedback might be. I mean, it's certainly great to have some respected people that you, you know, go to for opinions, yeah. but don't always listen to the outside traffic that might be coming at you. <clears throat> That's huge advice. 
I would say that was probably, and looking back, um, just keep going. Keep going. Because there'll definitely yeah. be times, especially in the restaurant business. Um, at that time, I remember the things that people shared with me were nine out of 10 failed in the first year. And so you, you look at that and you say, okay, well, why did they fail? What happened? And it's a myriad of reasons. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it is not for not having the right intention or not working hard or those kind of things. So there's certainly a little bit of chance involved, uh, but persistence, keep yeah. pulling through it. And, uh, you know, if you have that passion to go after something, you know, latch on, go and go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, so do you think going into that, obviously it sounds like from what the, the college experience you had, uh, there was a lot that you, that they put you in situations to learn different fa uh, facets of being, running a business. Was there anything that you were not prepared for? I think the one thing I look back at and say preparation wise is just the amount of time being in business for yourself, especially the first time um, where you've had to kind of borrow, scrape together, put together, and you're doing all aspects of the business yourself, it uh, you definitely have to ignore the fact that it can be all-consuming. Um, yeah. You know, from a time aspect and have some very patient and loving family around you that'll tolerate that. Yeah. Uh, because that makes a big difference. I think having family and people to support you at the core made the rest of it possible. I mean, right. that's definitely a big factor if you have that in place as a support system. Yeah, I think back to starting when 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 my wife and I started Luxury Home Magazine, uh, I was kind of like uh, starting it and she had to work another job just to make sure that, you know, we kept the lights on and made everything work. And I remember those first few years, it was it it, it felt like a 24 hour a day operation. You know, you're just, you're, you're, I'm delivering the magazine. I'm, I'm sending the invoices. I'm selling the magazine and I'm, you know, going out and making sure the magazines are still out there and meeting with people. It was a nonstop thing. And I remember one day my wife looked at me and she's like, if you look at the phone again, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> We've been doing it for about a year. And I was like, I mean, literally the phone was, this was everything. Like everything that we had to do with the business was on the phone. You know, I wouldn't, like, during that time, obviously you probably did, the phone wasn't as big as it is today, you know, back with the, you know, when you had your, your Italian restaurants, but it's all consuming. You're absolutely right. And for entrepreneurs, listen, if you're out there, if you're, you're thinking you're going to start the business, understand it will be all consuming. And if you think you're going to start a business, talk to this, to the people so that they understand. If you think you're going to start a business and it's, you're, you're just going to kind of just hire people to do everything, that's not how it works. I would agree with that statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not how it works. You're going to have to fully understand it and then hire the right people. Yes. And I think um, somebody gave me a piece of advice in the restaurant business when I first started. And I still kind of remember this very random statement. And he said, when you start, you buy a, a plastic sink. And if you earn the time to break that sink, you buy a metal one. And mm -hmm. so that was very much our first startup business was until we earn the right to have the nice things, go with what you need to get it started. And go I think I that, that. Um, definitely in some of the other experiences and things I've seen, sometimes you go in and you're like, I have to have this to make it work. And that's not always necessarily the truth. And I think if you can step back and examine and say what's truly critical to get the concept started, and then if it latches hold and it's successful, it will pay for the things you need rather than you taking that larger risk in the beginning saying, all right, I need all stainless steel. I need this, you know, in a, in a restaurant. And I think you can apply that to other businesses you start up is what really do we need to get started? Uh, you know, to get that concept out there to see if the customer is going to respond the way that you envision yeah. and the way that you think in your mind is what the market needs and what you're ready to grow. Um, I think in looking back, that was another piece that I could say was a, a good piece of advice. That's great. That, uh, you know, and again, if the business can earn it, it'll, it'll take care of those things that you eventually need yeah. to be able to get bigger and be more efficient and produce faster and all those kind of good things. Yeah, but get the customers first. Exactly. Start making some money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I saw this Gary Vee video literally yesterday, and the guy was like, oh, we're doing $10 million in revenue. And, blah, blah, blah. and Gary's like, are you making any money? He's like, no, we're not making any money. 
And he's like, well, what are you doing? If you're not making any money, you don't really have a business. You know, uh, that that's not how, you know, businesses work. You have to make money. Um, but I love that is go with what you need to get started. Don't be fancy. I, right? yes, I think if you can get by with something that, uh, you know, isn't going to impact the customer experience, yeah. but maybe is a preference of yours, yeah. if you can keep your costs low. I mean, that's definitely a piece of advice I'd pass along as well. You know, keeping that, what your obligations are every month, keeping them as low as possible in the beginning gives you more flexibility to grow quickly. Yeah. Uh, if you're always under the shadow of a large piece of debt, that can be detrimental um, to how quickly you grow or yeah. whether you even get the opportunity to make it past that first year and, and grow the rest of the way. Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the main reasons I, I, I've i seen some businesses struggle is that they start off under that pressure of having to pay back. Yes. They start off with that pressure of having to go through that of, you know, we've we got to pay this back, we've got to pay this back. And then the next thing you know, they can't pay it and they're not focusing on getting customers. They're not focused on making it right with customers. Now, fast forward, we go to... The, where you are now. And the reason why we're here is what's on the floor right now. Sure. Uh, I'm super excited to talk about this company and what you're currently doing because uh, for, for people out there, you, you, you're going to see, we're going to do some B-roll of this as we're talking about it, but you actually are a company that sells a robotic lawnmower. And so I don't want to kill it. I want you to explain this because I think it'd be better for you to explain it in, in, in terms that people will understand. I'm fascinated by this, and I think this is going to be really, really big as time goes on. So tell us more about one of the products that your company uh, sells and helps assemble. Yes, absolutely. So one of the products that brought us together on this uh, opportunity was an outdoor robotic lawnmower. And... Over the last three years, we've been working with companies here in the United States to kind of try different ones. I will say it's the best sample product that I've ever received to put in our own yard and see how something works. Um, and over the last year and a half, have really refined where we want to be in the marketplace as it emerges here in the United States. Uh, the robotic mower business as a whole has been around for about 15 years in Europe. They have over 1.6 million units already installed in, in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, regularly in use. And the basic concept, uh, especially for here in the States, is thinking along the lines of a Roomba for your yard. Now, I mentioned that once in a training session, and they politely reminded me that they were first. So really, the Roomba is like the mower. Right. Um, the concept being it, you install it in your yard. Uh, the unit goes out and maintains your primary landscaping needs, which is cutting the grass. And yeah. it does that uh, quietly, efficiently. It's all electric. Uh, charges itself as it needs to charge. Again, very similar to an indoor Roomba vacuum where yeah. it goes around, does the work, goes back, docks up. Um, and you can program it, set it for what you need it to do. It can actually function overnight because the decibel levels are so quiet. It's electric. Yeah. And uh, literally your yard basically looks like it never needs to be mowed. Uh, the concept is not to wait till the grass is tall and go out and knock it all down. Uh, that actually kind of harms the grass. And interestingly enough, the more we've been involved with this product, uh, I've learned a lot about landscaping that I had never known. Yeah. And so there's a lot of concepts there that will save you money over time, uh, improve the health of your grass. It reduces uh, water usage, the need for fertilizers. Um, it doesn't kick up allergens, which for me has been a big piece. I really didn't have uh, too much for allergies till I moved to Texas. Yeah, Texas uh, does it to you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So the actual mower itself doesn't have that pull of um, almost what I call like a vacuum effect that a gas-powered uh, lawnmower would. So it's not sucking up all of the things in the yard and spitting it out a discharge side. So there's never a cloud of anything coming mm -hmm. off of this. It literally drives around and quietly just clips just the top, about eighth inch of a grass blades right off the top, right. which then fall right back into the yard. It self mulches, so you get your nitrogen back. Um, and again, doesn't kick up any rocks, dust. Um, it's not the type of blades on the unit that would damage anything like a tennis ball or a sticks, you know, things that you think of debris that you always have to be very conscious of in yeah. a yard when you're mowing. It's not that type of concept. So it's very interesting some of the side benefits of it uh, that come from just not only having well-appointed yard, yeah. but, you know, reducing your allergens, water usage, chemicals in your yard, those kind of things that uh, just kind of go by the wayside after using it for a while. 
And you said that it, 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 it even helps for you, you not having to fertilize as much as what you'd had to before. Do you, have you stopped fertilizing because of this? Correct. We actually don't fertilize anymore uh, in our yard. And we also don't treat for winter weeds, which is a big thing here in Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, in the wintertime, even though the grass partially goes dormant and grows at a slower pace, mm-hmm. you have the winter weeds that pop up, you know, the dandelions, those kind of things. Because the mower goes out and maintains on a regular basis, the winter weeds don't get a chance to grab hold. Mm-hmm. And from a fertilizing standpoint, because the clippings are going right back into the yard, that's a great benefit. As yeah. well, a lot of times, especially um, when it rains yeah. and you don't get to mowing or you had a busy weekend and the landscape company didn't come by or you didn't get out to take care of the yard and the grass gets a little tall, when you go out there and basically scalp it and you're taking off the top one-third of that grass blade, the underneath side of it is now distressed. And that's where you end up needing to water it more. You need to come in and fertilize it because it's always in a constant state of stress. Mm. And mowing it on a more regular basis using robotics, the stress is gone because you're literally only taking that top eighth inch of the blade. And really the grass kind of begins to look like carpet, which is an interesting concept to say, but until you've run it for a few weeks and then you get to see that change, um, it definitely gets rid of any of the kind of yellowing paths you see sometimes when you mow the yard, yep. um, the directions that the blade, you know, cut the grass and now the grass is growing that direction, you know, because it's been tampered down. Right. The equipment's light, uh, just kind of travels around. It does randomized patterns. So it, again, it just kind of starts to look like carpet. I, I I think we, I think it'd be really cool if, if you want to take your headphones off, sure. I, I want to see, put the unit up here so people can see just the size of it. Um, because this unit I, I had this idea of this thing actually being really, really massive. You can throw your headphones back on. Um, but I think this is really, really interesting. When you when you look at it, you walked in with this in your hand. Yes, absolutely. It's very lightweight. It's very lightweight. And, and this is it. So you can imagine, or for the, for the people that have a Roomba, um, this thing, it docks outside. Does yes. it stay outside? It does. So weather, freezing, temperatures do not affect it. You know, here in this part of the country, you can leave it out year round. Okay. Uh, if you're up north, if I was still in Rhode Island, I would definitely bring it in for the wintertime. Um, no reason to have this buried in snow uh, True. You know when it melts. So you would have a seasonal uh, pull of that equipment stored in the garage um, and then bring it back out in the spring. But down here, I leave mine out year round. Uh, I will say when we first got it, um, I brought it in at night. Um, my family made fun of me a little bit. And I said, well, our dogs don't spend the night outside, do they? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was kind of my pet. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, the first time I left it outside was by accident. It was, I think, the third week we had it running in the front yard. And I run into my neighbor. um, It was just a couple of days after that. He's like, you know, I I thought somebody was in your front yard at five in the morning. So I went over to check. He's like, and then suddenly these headlights are shining on me. Well, it was the mower and it's super quiet. And uh, I'd forgotten that I left it outside. And so kind of surprised the neighbor with uh, the mower driving around in the morning. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, so I, again, I look at this unit and I, I, I see the future, right? Like this is the future. So now I'm going to, I'm going to play, um, you know, obviously I'm going to play kind of the other side of the coin, right? Like how does this affect, cause I have a landscaper. Sure. He comes, he comes and he, uh, I just have literally one strip of grass. Everything else has kind of zero scaped, right? Sure. And so how does this affect someone that has a landscaper that comes in, in that that's mowing your yard? Obviously they do some, you know, people have landscapers that do other things, right? But how does this affect that in terms of people with big yards that are maybe having landscapers that are cutting? So, Let's talk impact of the landscaper. Yeah. Let's start there. Um, I think from a landscaping position, as far as a company, these things are going to be incredible once you try them out. Yeah. If this becomes the primary way that we take care of a yard, um, you can focus your resources and energy on improving landscape opportunities for that homeowner that maybe you weren't addressing before because the homeowner had a set budget. So let's say you're only your customer says, okay, I have X amount of dollars to spend a month. And you say, okay, you've got three quarters of an acre. That's going to get you grass cut. I'm going to do edging. Maybe I'll do your hedges every so often for that price. Um, And that leaves the homeowner to kind of either do some of their own work, which they didn't want to do in the first place, or let some things go. And so something like this, 
allows the primary kind of larger portion of it to happen. From a landscaper standpoint, if you're charging your customer to go and cut the yard, this unit actually mows in the rain. So that's an important statement for a landscape company owner. They know exactly what I'm talking about. When it rains for a period of days, your trucks are all parked. You can't get to the lawns. That's all revenue that's not being generated. Yeah. And you'll never get it back because when you go out, you don't get to mow twice, once on Friday and once on Monday. That's gone. Yeah. So a unit like this provides consistent output year round in a place like San Antonio, whether it's rain or shine, because this mows in the rain. It goes out, does the work, and you can focus for your customer on some services that are probably a little more deserving of your talent because pushing a mower or riding a mower really doesn't bring out the best of what you have to offer to your customer. Right. And providing additional landscape care services for them improves their property values, gets more for their money. You have now the ability that you don't even need to send out a large truck and trailer Mm. to provide services for your customer. Right. Because you don't need the riding mower anymore. Right. If you go to battery equipment, literally you can put battery equipment in a small SUV or even smaller profile vehicles. So your opportunity to go out and service more customers than you're reaching now for less cost. Because this is the mowing is more time consuming for a lot of the landscapers. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're bringing a truck with a trailer just to get the riding mower off. Yeah. And you're putting it in that yard for a fraction of a period of time that would be necessary. You're spending more time sometimes getting to the location. Right then you're actually spending providing that work product at the location. So from an efficiency standpoint, you put a fleet of these to work as a landscaping company. It's a phenomenal opportunity to increase how many customers you can handle with your existing resources. You change your cost models. You don't need to put the trucks with the trailers out for all locations. And you'll certainly still have customers where you need to manually mow. There are places now that this technology hasn't reached based on grades of yards, if you have areas that flood constantly, those kind of things that are going to need a human hand. But for the primary focus and the health of the yard and the things that need to be maintained, you're providing your customer, in my opinion, a superior experience Mm -hmm. um, and really have an opportunity to grow your business in a direction that maybe you really hadn't thought of before uh, because of limitations on the amount of equipment that you can have. I mean, storing these types of mowers is much different than the space that takes up for a riding mower. Oh, for I mean, sure. You can see the footprint completely. Yeah. Um, and the maintenance on these is much different as well. There are no tune-ups. Yeah. There's no fuel. There's no oil. You know, all those things that kind of go with the gas-powered equipment. There's no fuel stabilizer in the off-season. Right. You charge the battery and you put it away. Um, that's all it needs. Yeah, um, and we're gonna sh- we're gonna get a shot of the blades. We'll get we'll kind of have like the, a shot where you can show that. But the interesting thing on the blades here is that there's actually a safety plate that kind of protects anybody um, from the blades when it's just sitting and it's not operating. But once it starts to spin, talk about that. What happened? How do the blades come out? And how big are they? Sure, absolutely. So there's some great safety features on here. Um, one, because it's electric, it's got an immediate start or immediate stop. So think about a a handheld drill. You pull the trigger, it's engaged. You let off the trigger, the drill stops. Uh, It doesn't have that long wind down period. Uh, Underneath the mower, there's going to be a safety disc. And there's actually three very small razors. Uh, They look kind of like a straight razor that you'd see in a box knife. They do. Similar to that. They're a little heavier. They're double-sided. When the mower starts, it actually, each time it starts, spins in a different rotation direction. So you get use from both sides of the blades uh, to improve life of the blades. But as soon as you pick it up, it has tilt sensors and it says, okay, why am I being picked up? Or why am I not flat on the ground where I should be doing my work? Immediately when that happens, it disengages. The centrifugal force that brought the blades to come out from the disc stops and the blades actually fold in. And there's nowhere that you can actually touch it that you'd be exposed to that small razor. Yeah. Um, The other piece is if you actually touch the razor, it is very small. Uh, It's not the type of catastrophic injury you'd be accustomed to in a traditional gas-powered mower where you're talking about appendages and limbs being damaged. Um, It just does not function that way. So from a safety standpoint, it's a great feature. Uh, Any of the units for Husqvarna that have X-Series come with GPS, so you have theft protection. Uh, The mobile app actually installs on your phone, and if you take it out of the geofenced area that you've set up, your app messages you and you can watch it on your phone like find a friend. You can actually watch it. My, my daughter and I actually took it from our front yard as an experiment. Did you? <laughs> um, one, it starts screaming at you and it shuts down. The, the unit starts uh, beeping. Yes, it's got a 110 decibel alarm on it. So it's 
you know wow. that you've picked it up. Yeah. Um, and all the neighbors know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, once that happens, a lot of attention is drawn to it. Uh, it requires a pin code to activate it again. So taking it is a, a worthless endeavor. Yeah. Um, but it also messages on your app and you can actually track it. So we, we drove down the road about five miles, parked in a residential neighborhood in front of someone's house. And sure enough, right on the phone, there was the mower on that map. Wow. Um, so the GPS also has a great ability within the yard uh, to do GPS mapping. So it makes sure it kind of gets to all the areas um, to make sure that the yard is being maintained correctly. So, you know, between those safety features of being able to pick it up, it disengages. Um, also, the style of cutting it does. It's really clipping more than cutting. Um, yeah. You know, the safety is at very high level. And it also has some bump technology, which means if it uh, drives up and you know, were to bump into your leg because you decided to stand in front of it, yeah. it literally just turns around and goes the other direction. Right. Um, it's very lightweight. You know that something has bumped you, but it's not going to be enough to... It's not going to knock anybody no, down. No, no, right, right. it won't even move your foot. Right. Uh, if you're standing right. on the ground, it just kind of taps and says, okay, let me go the other direction. There was something there that I hadn't expected. And this unit will mow a yard how big on a charge? Um, it's going to take care of this unit. The 315X will do about a half to three quarter of an acre, depending on, you know, landscape features you have in your yard. Okay. Some of the larger units will do one and a quarter acre of, of mowable area. So yeah. always think along those lines. Obviously, we're not taking care of your driveway, your house, your sidewalks, uh, stoned areas. Those are all excluded areas. So right. you think about what just grass that needs to be mowed. Uh, most of them are a good fit and you can certainly pair them with another mower yeah. if you have a property that needs more coverage. Uh, but typically... Um, it's a great fit for the average size house. Yeah. Um, and they have some smaller units as well. For, oh, they do? Yes, for okay. smaller profile yards. Okay. Absolutely. So, so I'm imagining I have, I've got, you know, yard on both sides of the driveway, right? Sure. I've got this unit and it starts on one side, Mosette side. Will it know to go across the driveway to go to the other side? You can program all of that so that it gets the other side of the house? Yes, we can wire that uh, installation and program the machine uh, to take care of both sides of that, uh, whether it's a sidewalk crossing or a driveway crossing. Um, you know, we've got people with all kinds of scenarios in their yard. There's not too many combinations out there in the world, but you know, fences, rear and front, yeah. um, areas that you don't want to have mowed as often. Yeah. You can set up zones. Um, the nice thing is from your mobile app, if you did have it set and it was mowing on a Saturday during the day and you were going to have family over, you just hit park. Ah. And the mower will stop what it's doing. It's going to go right back to the base and park and it's going to say, when do you want me to start again? Right. And you just uh, decide when you want that to pick up from where it left off. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, so I think Gabe, we want, to, we want to set this back down. Yeah. So we'll set this back down right there on the floor, sure. if you don't mind, Mark. Man, what a this is so cool, man. I'm so fascinated by this whole idea. And obviously, the technology is just going to continue to get better. So is this the latest unit that is out right now that you're selling? Um, or yes. Uh, so this technology is definitely the latest that's available. Um, they have another unit that's coming out. Uh, probably here in about three months. Okay. It's a 435X and it actually has a, a joint in the body and all wheel drive and it's designed to handle slopes up to 70%, which <laughs> you would not handle with a riding mower. With anything. Or a push mower very, very easily. I think you'd have to put it on a cable and lower it up and down the hill. 70%? 70% grade, the 435X. Um, so when I think oh, 70 geez. degrees, I'm thinking along the side of a highway, basically. That's what I'm thinking. I'm literally you know, thinking those... they could have these units parked underneath little underpasses and they just pop out and they mow. Absolutely. So, huh. and we've definitely encountered some properties where they have areas that have that type of slope. Right. Um, you know, these standard units will handle anything from 25 up to 45 degree grades. So that will do up to 45? Uh, the 400 series will. 400, uh, okay. This one will be right around 25 degree grade. But still, which 25 is, still, is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, if you're pushing a mower up that grade, you'll be very happy to have a robot doing it for you. Uh, that's now, a lot of work. Call Mark today. <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously. All right. So now, it, total installation. So now we we uh, we order it. We call you. Is there? Do people call you to order this? How does that work? So our company, uh, you can reach us directly for that type of interaction. We also okay. support Husqvarna uh, through any of their retailers. Okay. So you will see last year was the first time they had it set up uh, through Lowe's. Okay. So there was a few locations here really? in San Antonio. Um, they actually had a unit that was in kind of a little corral with uh, some grass turf, uh, artificial turf. Yeah. And the unit was on a demonstration mode. So it would go out, move around for a while, and then it would go back to the base so you could 
kind of sit there and watch it within yeah. a few minutes and see all of the things that it's capable of. Right. But uh, Lowe's is one of their major retailers. Um, it's available on Amazon, uh, Tractor Supply. I mean, they've got a host of retail opportunities if you want to go out and kind of look at all the different models. Yeah. But one of the things we offer here locally, especially, is we can come out, do an assessment, um, rec- make a recommendation, talk to you about kind of the features, bring a unit out, start it up for demo. you in your yard. Yeah, kind of demo. Yep. Absolutely. Because yep. I think once you see it and once you experience the fact that you don't hear it, um, it's really one of those things once you get your hands on it, it starts to make a whole lot of sense. Yes, absolutely. And you have one of these installed at your home. Yes. One of these is actually installed at your house right absolutely. now. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. We've had this exact model, the 315X, I've had in my yard for over a year and a half. Okay. So I'm coming up on two years that it's been out in the front yard just running and doing its work. Wow. So That's really cool. How yes. long does it, I mean, obviously you don't really need to worry about how long it takes to charge because it'll just go charge itself and then go back if it needs to. Everything's automatic. Yeah. So depending on how you program it, if there's times that you want to say, I only want it to mow at night. Yeah. I don't ever want to see it in the yard. I don't want my neighbors to see it. You could program it to run from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., you know, one or two days a week, depending on the size of your yard. Yeah. Um, if you say, hey, I want it to just mow when it wants to, yeah. there are settings that you can put in there. It actually has resistance sensors that'll go out and uh, check out and say, okay, it appears that I'm not really mowing anything. Let yeah. me go back and hit the charger. So periods of the year, summertime, you know, yeah. when the grass slows down a little bit, winter as well. Um, in the wintertime, I kind of keep our schedule up again to kind of knock back those winter weeds. Yeah. Um, which where we live is very important. Everybody's kind of on top of that, making sure that we're uh, taking care of each other's yards that way as well. So you don't have uh, more dandelions than grass. Well, I, I'm so excited that you brought this. And um, when, 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 when we were talking on the phone, I, my, my first thought, I told Gabe, I go, I have to see the unit and I have to talk to you about it. So let's say I get the assessment and I'm like, I'm ready to order. What is the installation process like in, in, in programming uh, um, a piece of machine like this? Sure, absolutely. So if we've come out or we can oftentimes just do an aerial view uh, now and get a really good idea of what's going on in the yard. So once you've decided, the more we come out with that product, we plug it in, we set it up, uh, we'll program it for you, we'll get the app on your phone and walk you through that pretty much once it's set up. So the installation only takes a few hours, okay. uh, depending on the size of the yard. Obviously, if you've got a lot of yard that needs to be handled, we might be there closer for the day, but uh, typically a day or less. Okay. Um, when we're done, it starts doing its work. That is pretty much how easy it is once we get it set up, programmed correctly. Um, and from your mobile device, you'll be able to make decisions on when you want it to mow, when you don't want it to. And it's literally open up the app, look at the calendar. You can use your thumb to drag and drop back and forth on a slider to say, Monday, don't mow at 10 a.m. anymore. And you slide mm-hmm. it down and you say, start at four. Um, okay. And then you can replicate that schedule if you want. Uh, you can actually see a map of your property and see where the mower's been as it starts to learn its way around. That's cool. Um, And so I think from a user standpoint, once it's in, the idea and concept here is is that you actually kind of forget that it's even doing what it's doing. Yeah, Um, you just see the results. You see the results. (laughs) And literally every time you come home, the yard just always looks mowed. Yeah, There will never be a point uh, where the yard begins to look overgrown Because if you've scheduled it and it's going out and doing the work, it's always keeping up with it. And that's really the concept. The concept is don't let the yard get overgrown. Again, not to cause the stress to it, but also just it will always look like somebody's just been there uh, taking care of the yard for you. So I I already have one. I'm I'm thinking of a homeowner, right? And they're they're already sitting. And I know what your question you want me to ask. You want me to ask, what about if there's a fence? How does it get on the other side of the fence if there's like a gate? How does it know to go over there? And do you have to actually physically take it beyond the open the gate, set it, and then set it down so that it knows, hey, we got to mow the backyard as opposed to mowing the front? Or do people get two units in that regard? Absolutely. So that's going to be preference-based. We definitely have customers who will do a front yard, backyard mower, especially if they have a unit in mind based on size. Um, we also have customers that have put gates in, uh, for the mower. Um, okay, just, explain that. So <laughs> that's crazy. So you can actually, um, put a, a gate flap door there. And when the mower approaches, the mower can go under, um, great piece of technology with this mower. And it's actually very specific to this brand 
is how it handles what we call narrow passageways. So you can actually come in and create a passageway around 24 inches that this mower will actually drive through. There is a video um, that they did an installation and they actually crossed part of a yard that goes over a little wooden bridge yeah. into another section because there's a little stream underneath. And the mower goes over the little wooden bridge and goes into the other part of the yard. Oh and it looks really gosh. sharp, but it could really only be accomplished with this product because of the narrow passage handling. Yeah. And that's one way we accomplish getting from a front to back. Um, if a homeowner would like to move a mower, let's say they want to buy a mower, but they only you know want to buy one, but yeah. they really need a larger mower. Let's say they want to go with a smaller one and are okay with moving it from front to back. Right. We can certainly create an installation for you where you keep a mower in a primary location, whether that's the front yard or backyard. Yeah. After it's day or two of work in that area, you can actually pick it up, take it to the backyard, and it can engage in the backyard. And we can put just an additional charging station in that location. And one mower can take care of multiple locations within the property. Got it. We have a few property owners that actually do that same scenario for a vacation home or oh, a summer rental where they had it wired and installed. And we just program a different profile in, in there. And when you take the mower to the new location, you dock it in the new base. And it says, oh, this is my summer house profile. And you hit that profile. So they actually are able to use the mower in multiple locations. Oh, so got it. So they'll take it from their house to their summer home. Wow. Absolutely. And for people who are maintaining multiple properties, depending on the size of property, size of equipment, you could actually rotate this mower around to multiple locations and have it handle that, again, primary landscaping need for you yeah. in multiple places. Uh, you know, two days here, two days there. You know, if that type of footprint and format works for you, you can absolutely put the mower to work in multiple locations. So commercial application, obviously that we're talking more home residential, but the commercial application for this has to be through the roof. I would imagine yes. there's a lot of companies, um, specifically in San Antonio, you may not be able to say a name, but are there companies in San Antonio that have already sort of used this technology? Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. And I think uh, one of our more exciting places we've gone was a solar farm uh, okay. here in San Antonio. And they have a few solar farms here uh, that use, you know, panel technology for producing electricity. We went out and installed a demo unit for them to check out uh, that they may put to work on a solar farm. So think about, you know, acreage of, of solar farm where you need to keep landscape in control. One of the great benefits is that this unit doesn't kick anything up. So there's no flying rocks, pebbles, debris. And that's very important when you have solar panels. Yeah. Um, those are pretty expensive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and creating that underlayment of, again, kind of that carpet of grass actually mm -hmm. creates a cooling effect, which gives them more efficiency oh. uh, for solar production. Um, we're working with a group now that um, is here in San Antonio that has restricted access uh, on their property because they're in technology and they do some things for the government. And they're very interested in this because they don't need to have people on the grounds as often. Um, accessing their areas that they consider restricted. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, they're able to maintain their corporate campus uh, at the level that they'd like to have done. That's cool. So there's a lot of applications for this. Anywhere yeah. that you can think about landscape maintenance, yeah. um, this is a conversation that you can find out if it's a good application and uh, we'll give you a good return on what you'd like to get accomplished. Love it. Last question, because I know there's some, there, there are some landscape snobs out there. Okay, yes. let's be honest, right? There there are some there are some people out there that are gonna be like, Well, this 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 robot cannot edge the way I like to edge. So how do you address that when people are like, What about the edging? What about the edging? Mark? So depending on your yard and your layout, there may be some edging that you'll still have done. Um, I think about edging, especially along maybe if you have a curb that's on street side. Um, the mower will drive up to that curb and cut anything up to that curb. But if you have anything that kind of crawls over the, the ledge, that might need to be edged once a month. Yeah. And again, kind of back to the landscaping idea, um, to have them come once a month for really kind of edge and hedge, Yes, you know, where they kind of do a quick maintenance run on, that's really kind of how you address that. But if it's up against a sidewalk or a place that it'll just kind of drive right past it a little bit, cut what needs to be cut. Um, but if you really, really like your edging, that'll definitely yeah. be a service that you'd still have your landscape company or you can go out and do once a month. Um, I will say for myself, uh, we ended up purchasing the electric uh, weed eater yeah. from Husqvarna um, yeah. because I had a gas powered one and it yeah. took me longer to get it started than it took me to go out and walk around the perimeter of my yard once a month. So right. now I have an electric one from Husqvarna. Okay. I literally just pull it off the wall, 
walk around the outside of the yard to catch the areas that the mower didn't. And so I, I call it my five minute front yard. Right. That's really what it takes now is about five minutes just to kind of walk the perimeter, catch anything that the mower didn't catch along those kind of inner corner edges or yep. areas like that. So yes, if you're still proud of your edging, nobody, yes. nobody wants to take that away from you. Right. You can still do that. You but, can knock uh, it out in five minutes. Absolutely. I'm yeah. giving you more time to maybe uh, plant right. some flowers, do That's some right. uh, fun landscaping. Love it. All right, we like to end with a fun question. All right. Um, uh, Tim Ferriss wrote a book called Tribe of Mentors, and he asked questions, uh, 11 questions to uh, uh, just a group of people and had all these different answers, put it all in one book. So I always like to ask one of the questions uh, from that book. And, you know, I'm thinking about in terms of, of like, you know... <laughs> what this product does, right? Um, I'm curious, is, is, is life better now or uh, than it was in the past, right? Like thinking about how life is today or how life was in the past, thinking about what you do, I'm curious, what do you think? Is life better now or is it better in the past? I've tried to mix in having fun all along the way. I will say that um, from a standpoint of business model to business model, I will say I'm having a lot more fun now um, in the business I'm in. I think uh, it's a different type of fun. Let's go with that. I think in the restaurant business for years, you always enjoyed hosting people where you were at. You were kind of stationary, yeah. right? Everybody came to you. Um, I will say I do enjoy having recaptured my holidays and weekends. Uh, because restaurant business is one of those things that you're taking care of everyone at the times that they're out having fun. Yeah. Um, so I think in that respect, it was a different type of fun. I definitely enjoy the work we're doing now, um, being able to go out, see people, um, you know, all around the country yeah. uh, has been uh, a great opportunity to travel and meet people, see kind of different ways of life, enjoy food <laughs> that someone else has made. Right. Uh, that's always a good thing. So we definitely, definitely love the travel. Love the opportunity of meeting a lot of different people. So I think to the answer to the question, I think uh, progressively it's it's a different kind of fun, but we're having the most fun we can have while still doing some work. Love so, it. That's and that's it. what it's all about. Yes. You got to enjoy what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, listen, Mark, I want to thank you so much for being on TM3 Impact and for bringing this unit so that people can see what is the latest and greatest technology and how this can be a part of making your weekends a little bit easier. Absolutely. And wouldn't and that be best? That is absolutely the way to go. And if you're thinking about getting one, you get to name it on oh. your app. So, you know, you got to think about a name. What would you name yours? So the one I have in my yard is Louie. We call this one affectionately Mo. Mo. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yes. And we have one in our backyard, a different series, uh, the 400 series. Yeah. And my daughter's named it Petunia. Petunia. There so, you go. Uh, when you pull up the app, it has their name on it. And, yes. Uh, so you know who you're working with. Very cool. Yes. Well, thanks again. Appreciate you being on the show. And we look forward to hearing more as this innovation continues. Obviously, there's some other things that you're doing. And there are going to yes. be some other innovations that are going to be coming to San Antonio. And we're glad you're in this city. And thank goodness your wife brought you back. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So thanks again, Mark. Having... Appreciate you. Thank you very much.